0: Now. Yeah. Koto katoa, greetings everyone, haere mai, and welcome to the STEM rail learning journey with a view, Transrail, the field trip, web conference number one, great that you can join us this morning. Uh, we have two speaking schools, we've got uh, Allenton School and Lower Motuli School, ready with their questions, and our experts, Ian, Ian is a locomotive engineer who works for Transrail, uh, sorry, Kiwi Rail. <laughs> and I meant to say Trans Alpine uh, before as well. So Ian works at Kiwi Rail. And uh, if you haven't already, make sure you check out his uh, profile page, which is um, on the experts page of the trip website, or you can see it in the Google Earth tour, which is also now available. Um, So, like I said, we've got our speaking schools this morning, Ellington and Lower Moteri. I've just had a quick chat with Lower Moteri doing some fantastic things um, with their KWL sheet. And uh, Ellington, of course, particularly interested in structures in the Aotearoa Tunnel. And I was just wondering, uh, you guys, what what is it about the Aotearoa Tunnel and structures that actually interests you? Has anybody um, got an answer for that? Would you like me to answer? Andrew? No, no. I was just going to ask Nikki's class if somebody would like to answer why they're <laughs> answering <laughs> the tunnel instructions. If you have to speak up really loud.
1: Um, we're
2: just wondering, just from doing the Trans Alpine journey yesterday with you, we're just looking to see.
0: Um, how tunnels are constructed okay so um, I just thought I'd start off with a couple of questions like we discussed yesterday but that's okay so let's, um, let's just get straight into the questions that got. Um, so uh, uh, we'll begin with your first question which was um, explaining the difference between a viaduct and a bridge so would somebody like to ask that question oh that's a good
2: question you're
0: gonna have to come right up to the laptop.
2: Could you please explain the difference between a bridge and a viaduct?
1: Well, uh, if you travelled up to Arthur's Pass on the train on the Transalpine, you would have passed over pretty five viaducts and numerous bridges. So the difference between a bridge and a viaduct is a viaduct is usually a lot higher and a lot longer for several spans. A bridge, most of the bridges we have on the middle of the line between uh, Christchurch and Arthur's Pass are just single spans. So all it is is one, one, piece of track over the, over the bridge, over the, over the, r- the creek or the river. Where you go over a viaduct it's usually several spans, and a uh, majority of them are usually a lot higher. So the take the likes of the staircase viaduct is about uh, um, I think it's 112 meters above the river, above the creek level above staircase gully.
0: So generally, what you're saying is that a viaduct <coughs> is just a, a bigger form of a, of a bridge in terms of the Rawa. Yes, that's correct. Hmm. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's a good question that because they kind of seem a bit similar. <laughs> yeah, they are very similar. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, thanks for getting us underway, Ellington School um, with that question. And just also, it's quite good if you can just introduce yourselves uh, with your first name so we know who we are speaking with. That would be great. Uh, so let's go to Loha Maitere School uh, for your first question. How did you learn thanks to... Come up here, Gracie. Come up close to me.
1: say, hi, I'm Gracie. Hi, I'm Gracie. Hi, Gracie.
2: How did you learn to be a train driver?
1: Hi, Gracie. Well, about 43 years ago, I started on the job in Greymouth as a as a, what they call a junior labourer. And that was that's a multitude of uh, doing different jobs where you load coal onto steam engines. Steam engines were still around then. And also, I used to put fuel diesel fuel into the, lo- into the diesel locomotives. And then I did a lot of training after that, which and moving from Greymouth to Christchurch and you do lots of exams, um, do lots of theory work, and also you do a lot of practical work, practical driving to become a trained driver. And you have in the cab, in the driving cab of the locomotive, you have another guy with you, another driver, and he teaches you how to drive the locomotive properly. And after a certain amount of time of driving yourself, you get certified to become a fully-fledged locomotive engineer, about how long did that take, Ian? Uh, at the moment, the, the syllabus we have now it takes about a 1,050 hours. So it's just over a year it takes a trainer, from uh, a trainee up to a fully-fledged driver. Hi. And how long have you been driving trains
0: for, Ian? Just over 43 years. Oh, wow. That's a long time. Must be a great job. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. For I see. thanks for that question, Gracie. Yeah. So, we're going to go back to Ellington's store for question number two,
2: please. My name is Ava. Hi, hey, Ava. How many deaths were there during the building of the OTR tunnel?
0: So sorry, I didn't quite hear that. I, so, um, they're quite interested in how many people died building the Orsett Tunnel and and what was the cause of most of the deaths. Mm-hmm. So not, yeah. I know you may not know the exact
1: number. Yeah, I, I do actually. So there was, yeah, I, I thought you might, yeah. but I didn't want to take you know, the Hi, Ava. I actually worked in the cherry Tunnel for seven years, driving the electric locomotives backwards and forwards between 1979 and 86. And when they built it back in it started in 1910 and it was finally opened in 1923 but there three people killed in there but mainly um, I think two of them were killed by rock Falls so all the tunnel was actually built by hand using um, just using shovels and picks and the odd bit of dynamite to blow holes but um, the majority the two people I know of they were killed are killed by rock falls and I think the other one the other person was killed by water and rush. So when they were tunneling into the tunnel, they hit a big water pocket, and the water came out, and knocked them down, and drowned them. Most unfortunately. Well, three is not as bad as what I thought it might have been. So, um,
0: so that's pretty good because it took quite a long time to build that tunnel back in those days, didn't
1: it? Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. Um, and when they when they actually they so they tunneled from both ends, from the OTERA and the Arthur Spars end. When they met, met in the middle of the tunnel there, the alignment was almost perfect. It was an eighth of an inch out over eight kilometres. And that was before they had uh, theodolites and all the electronic gear they got now for lining up tunnels. Yeah, a lot of clever maths, that's for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Hey, thanks, Ava. So we'll go back
0: to Loamoturi School. We have a second question, please.
2: Hi, a i Hi Ian, I'm Fleur. Hi, Hi Fleur. Yep. And I'm wondering what is the best thing about your job? What's the best thing about
1: your job? Um, driving trains can be uh, quite challenging. You, can, um, it works, you have a different start time every day, so you work different shifts through the day and the night. You get to see some wonderful sunrises and sunsets. You get to meet a lot of wonderful people. And you get to drive trains at high speed, and it gives you quite a thrill at times, like passing through Ashburton and the likes of that at 80 kilometres an hour, holding up all the traffic at the crossings, hopefully not for too long, because it, it upsets a lot of people. But it, it is a um, overall, I've enjoyed my job the whole time of being here. So um, do, do you
0: guys have any trains at Lower Mott today?
2: Do we have trains here, along, my train yeah. Do we? No. There used to be a train that um, went through to Nelson up through the Glenhope and through Kawatiri Junction in the Murchison, like in Kaharangi Park, but there's no trains here now, it's all a reserve. Mm. And that's why we're looking forward to doing um, the virtual tour with Ian and Stuart and cruise so we can see what it's like to be on the Trans Alpine
0: yeah it's pretty cool <coughs> hey, well you know that there's a um, there's a competition that you, and you could win um, win tickets on the Trans Alpine uh.
2: that's why we're looking at the safety some of our questions around <coughs> so it's interesting hearing Ian say that it's quite a thrill passing through towns and watching the cars sitting on the side of the road keeping safe off the um, train tracks
0: That's right and Ian you mentioned uh, Ashburton so um, Barry you said that's near ellington we're up to your next question Question number three: Who, Who's who's had to wait at the um, level crossing in the car while the train's gone past? Put your hands up. Anyone not that close to the train? The train? Yep. Yep. Alright. Well, let's have your thing. Hi.
2: And what is the steepest part and highest point of the tunnel?
0: Thanks,
1: Jack. Oh Dan, so uh, um, oh, yeah, no, they've got mute now, so that's good. Okay. okay. So I presume you mean the Atura tunnel? Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. So the highest point is just before at the Arthur's pass end, just before you go in the tunnel after that, you travel downhill. So you drop from uh 24. 2400 feet down to 1200 feet, which in the metric equivalent is 960 meters down to about, uh, I think it's about 410 meters at Otera. And so it's downhill all the way to Oterra. And the gradient is uh, something like uh, 1 in 33. So every 33 feet you go down, you drop a foot. But so they, uh, yeah, like I said, the highest point is right at the mouth of the. Uh, yeah so so from
0: Arthur's Pass to Aoteera it's all downhill right that's correct yes yeah. and so dropping from 960 meters did you say to 410 meters
1: yeah. yeah I think it's something like that yeah I, I, I know it's, it used to be uh 2400 feet to 1200 feet I yeah. think that's the metric metric equivalent so over, over about eight and a half kilometres, the train's
0: going 500 metres um, downhill, basically, over that stretch. And so it's a like one in 30. So you call that a one in 33. Can you show us, just with your hand, what what sort of steepness that, what sort of gradient that looks like? Uh, probably a gradient like about that. Yeah. It's probably about 30 degrees. So you can think about... Guys, the challenges that might pose in terms of trains going down the hill, down, that, down through the tunnel, and trains going up through the tunnel, there'd be some challenges going both ways. And if you have a look at those videos, which we um, where we talked with Bruce about, we actually do the video with Bruce in the middle of the autera tunnel, um, and he talked about why there's locomotives put on each end of the train it's a big safety feature and that's why we stop at Arthur's Pass on the way to uh, greymouth to put an extra couple of locomotives on the on the end of the train it's a, it's a quite a key safety feature so they make sure yes. you look, look at that video okay uh, so <clears throat> lower Motore, we have your third question now please Jack would you
2: like to come forward? Say hi. Say hi, my name's Jack. Hi, my name's Jack. What do warning lights look like?
1: Warning lights, we've got a lot of different warning lights. We have them on locomotives to warn of faults on the on the locomotive if the engine uh, gets low in oil or hot water. You also have warning lights on level crossings. So when they start flashing, you've got um, if they've got barrier arms on them as well, the lights will flash first. For about five seconds, and the barrier arms will come down, and then about five seconds, five to ten seconds later, the train will come over that crossing. So it gives people time if they're stuck on the crossing. The bells, the bells, and the lights will operate and warn people that there's a train coming, and it gets time for them to get off the crossing before the barrier arm will come down. But not all crossings have got barrier arms, so most most crossings in New Zealand. Are, on main roads have either bells, bells and lights, flashing lights, you'll hear the bells going. And a lot of them have barrier arms which come down after that. Once the train's cleared the crossing, the barrier arms will go up and the light, the warning lights will go off.
2: Awesome, thank you. Thank you. Awesome, thank you.
0: Yeah, really important that you look at those signs and listen for the bells, and, and look for the, the flashing lights when you're coming and approaching a level crossing. So, when you're in a town next time which does have trains running through it, um, keep an eye out, that's for sure. I've actually got a,
1: would you like me to show them this poster, Andrew, I showed you earlier? Yeah, sure. So, at the can you actually see that? Yeah. the different ah. types of levels.
0: So what Ian's showing there is um, four different types of crossings that you might come across. So you can see um, there's a pedestrian crossing which looks like they're going to go over a bridge which crosses, that looks like it's in Auckland, a bridge that goes over the railway. Picture B looks like it's got some gates, so there's sometimes these level crossings that have gates that open and close automatically. Um, the other one is on the bottom left, looks like it's just got a series of gates that you go through. And then the one on the bottom right is like what, there's actually no, there's just a sign. So that's when you have to be really, really careful, make sure you look both ways and all that sort of thing. So different sorts of crossings. Depending on where you are, is that right Ian? It depends on where you are and just how many trains, are
1: likely to be passing through during the during the day. That's correct. If you get a high you get it around most cities have uh the three forms of warning the bells, the lights and the barrier arms. If you get out in the country sometimes there's only you only just have a stop sign or a giveaway sign. Because hmm. there's not so many trains going through.
0: That's right yeah. Cool hey so that was Jack so we're back to Alan from school for question yeah. four please.
2: What school is that, sorry?
0: So we're on to Ellington school for questions
2: Hi, I'm Bianca.
0: Hi, Bianca.
2: Using today's technology and equipment, how much quicker might the tunnel have been built?
1: Sorry, yeah, I didn't
0: quite hear that, it, Andrew. Yeah. Good question. So um, Bianca just said, how much quicker do you think the tunnel, the auteta tunnel might have been built, considering how tunnels are built today? Because in that video that we did with um with Bruce, we talked about how long it took using pick shovel and you know, all done by hand compared with how tunnels are done with the tunnel boring
1: machine these days. Well, it's certainly far quicker with a tunnel boring machine. Like, as an example, over in uh between Italy and Switzerland, it was they put a 10 kilometre uh, tunnel that's far bigger than our tunnels we have here because they've got a bigger track gauge. They put that in in two years from one end to the other, com- completely finish the tunnel, track, signalling, everything. So it certainly speed things up a bit, the mechanisation. How many years did it take to build the Orteta tunnel? Uh, it was from 19. 19- 1909, I think it was to 1927, 1923,
0: rather. So it's
1: 14, fourteen years.
0: Yep, yep. fourteen years to yep. build an eight and a half kilometre train tunnel, whereas with today's technology, two years, and that's an even bigger tunnel. Yes,
1: that's correct. Yeah. Wow.
0: Well, so yeah. Big, they have
1: one up in Auckland. They're putting the uh, the new tunnels under under Auckland there for rail. And uh, they've got a big tunnel boring machine which has just come through. Um, I think it's come through the far end, but the two Ks in just under a year.
0: Yeah, well that's still that tunnel boring machine is called Dame Fiona Cooper, and that's a project called the City Rail which we did a filter on. You can actually check that out if you like and make some comparisons between tunnel building today and tunnel building from hundred years ago. Okay, uh, thanks Bianca, and back to Lower Maturi School for question four, please.
2: Question four, say hi, I'm Kai. Hi, Can you sit up, Kai? Say hi, Ian, I'm Kai. Hi. hi. hi, hi. hi Ian. Yeah. And you're saying, does the snow affect the train? Does the snow affect the train?
1: Uh, only, only if the snow is very deep. Well, we have a snow plough we can put on the front of the locomotive and it, just like when they clear the roads with a snow plough, you can put one on the front of the locomotive and clear all the snow off the track. But but usually if you have um, up to about eight, eight inches of snow, we can clear it just with the, the cow catch on the front of the locomotive, so it doesn't slow us down at all. Okay. Thanks. Thank, thank there's you. There's
0: been a bit of snow down there lately, hasn't there? Yes, yeah. it has. Yes. Yeah. So Ian, you've been you've been um <clears throat> working over the last few days with the snow. Have you
1: been driving the train through the snow? Um I have I live out in the country out Curl William had quite a bit of snow out there, but I haven't actually been working on it. But uh it can be can be nice to, to drive through, but it's if you have to get down the ground and operate points to change the direction of the train, it can be quite frustrating having to dig the points out. to wind over the points because they jam the snow jams them all up you can't change the tracks does it affect the way because
0: i know that braking is quite a big part of driving and, and making sure that you apply the brakes you know according to the conditions and, and where you are on the
1: track does the snow affect anything like that this can affect the braking on the trains so It can because with uh, compressing the snow between the wheel and the rail it can Actually build up on the rail just like it does on car tyres, and then you lose some of your um the track, also your braking power there. So you need to be more aware of it when you do put the brake on. You longer, yeah, you have a longer stopping distances for trains. Same like you do in cars when you're driving in the snow. It takes a lot longer to stop.
2: Thanks
1: that. Um, so um,
0: it was Kai's question. Thank you, Kai. And we'll come back to you Thank for your final you question soon, Laura um, Motri. So we'll just go back to Ellendon School for uh, question number five. Hi,
2: I'm Matilda. Hi, Matilda. Is there any earthquake damage in the tunnel?
1: Uh, in the Tenerot Tunnel, there wasn't. Um, uh, hi, Matilda. Anyway, um, so up when they had the Kaikoura earthquake, they had one tunnel just north of Kaikoura where the fault line went right through the tunnel, and it moved the t- it. broke the tunnel in half and and misaligned it by about uh, about a meter. So they had to reboard the tunnel to get it all lined up again relay the track on there. But um, most uh, most earthquakes we've been through. Probably the last 40 years, we've had no damage to the Aotearo Tunnel, even though there is a fault line goes through it. But not yet. That's yeah. good. Not yet, yeah. Because <clears throat> the main divide the main divide fault is actually uh, west of Aotearo, down by Inchboni. People know where Inchboni is. It actually runs through Inchboni and down through towards Moana, Rotamanu, ran through that area. There is still a lot of fault lines all over the uh, the Southern Alps, where the Attert Tunnel goes underneath the Southern Alps. Yeah, so um,
0: <clears throat> maybe one day, maybe one day. Yeah, hopefully yeah. not. <laughs> the Alpine fault is uh, is due.
1: <laughs> yes, definitely, is overdue.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, thanks, Matilda. And so we're up to our final question for La Monteddi School, please.
2: Right, Isaiah. Say, hi, I'm Isaiah. Hi, I'm a Hi, Isaiah. Um,
0: who checks the
2: train?
1: Who checks the train? is safe. It's safe. Who he checks it? that the train is safe? Oh, right. He? So the driver has uh, full responsibility over the locomotive and the train, so it's up to him to do a brake test, so we test all the brakes before a train ever leaves the depot. And also, we have a guy called a, a train examiner. So he actually walks the whole length of the train with the brakes on. And when he gets to the rear of the train, they release the brakes so they can test. So the brakes are coming on and off on the whole train. And he also checks for faults on the train, like if there's any strapping undone or doors loose. And all that's got to be um, accounted for before we take off on a journey same with hazardous goods. So if we've got hazardous goods on the train, like um, chemicals or petrochemicals, um, even flour is classed as a hazardous goods. So we've got to check that all the hatches are done up um, and that all the the documentation is there with the, uh, the driver's got to have all the documentation for hazardous goods before he can leave. And you know that's great, Ian. So
0: quite a lot of checks to be done, and that's good to know if you're travelling on a train um, that these checks are done. And that's probably one of many reasons why travelling by train is actually very safe. Now, you know that Lower Mountido School have been doing this KWL chart that I mentioned, and they've been doing some thinking about um, how how they think you keep people safe, Ian. Does anybody from Lower Motor's school, <laughs> you guys, would you like, I'd like to read out how why how you think Ian keeps people safe? Have you got that chart there?
2: We have, yes. <laughs> no um, our chart looks like this. Yeah. And Gracie, this is, would you like to share what you think some um what we think Ian does to help people keep safe? <laughs> Ian keeps people safe by driving carefully, watching and listening. Doing lots of checks. Looking at the engine. Looking at the engine.
0: And different parts of the train. And
2: different parts of the train.
0: That's pretty good, isn't it, Ian? Definitely, yes.
1: Another way we keep we keep people safe is by trying to keep them away from the railway tracks. And when we come when we come to crossings, we're obliged to toot the whistle. Um, at at night time, we may not toot the whistle because we don't want to keep people awake if they live near a railway crossing. We don't want to wake them up and upset them. Oh, um, we, have, we have to add that to our list, won't
2: we, Room Two? Yes. Yes. Uh, what does he do? He toots the whistle.
0: And I think you also, um, Ian, you make sure
1: that the lights are on at the front too, don't you? Yes, I was going to mention that. Yeah, we have four headlights in the front of the locomotive. So when we toot the whistle at a crossing, or toot the whistle regardless, the two bottom headlights flash. They alternate and they give a wee bit more warning. So it's uh, especially coming towards level crossings. We've got a manual control of that as well, so we can press the button and just operate them without tooting the whistle as well. But every time we toot the whistle...
0: The bottom two headlights will flash. So make um, sure another really cool video um, on the Filtrat website, and Ian and I are at a level crossing, and we have this big freight train that goes past really fast, and um, and you see that right at the beginning of of the video, and then we talk about um, how powerful that train is, and we use a Coke can to show um, just how powerful that train would be if it hit something like a car. So make sure you have a check of that video uh, today if you can or sometime during the week.
2: Um, yes, we want to do the virtual yeah. tour. We haven't started that yet. because um, oh, We've, we've been doing our KWL, to. so we'll um, get into that.
0: Lots to look forward to. Absolutely. It's, um, it's, it is 10 o'clock, and so we are scheduled to only go uh, until 10 o'clock, so um I know you guys have got probably got some more questions you're welcome to come and join us uh, on tomorrow's web conference and if we've got time we can uh, ask ian some extra questions um now I forgot to start us off with a cut of care this morning so I'm going to finish with one but just before I do just want to thank ian for your time this morning and I look okay. forward to having you on tomorrow's web conference and thank you to our speaking school Ellington school and lower multi school for coming up with your great questions and um, really great to see some and learn about some of the work you're doing and some of the things that you're interested in um, the the Ellington uh, school you know you're interested in those structures and there's some there's some really great resources also I mentioned it before on the city rail link um, field trip website where, where we look a lot at the the construction of that rail line under the ground so you might want to check that out But thanks for sharing some of your learning um and I uh, hope you hope you can join us on the tomorrow's web conference I'll just complete with the the uh finish up of the karakia we're here the four the four for the marma komaketae ao ao fatikamata tzata kirunga tzata kiraro tzai ahrau au me e e Thanks everybody. You can all unmute if you like and say a big kaki tiano to Ian. Thank you, Thanks, everybody. It brings our web
1: conference to an
2: end.
0: Have